Do you pride yourself on finding the best deals and savings? Yes, it's me. I'm raising my hand. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. Get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. Shop brands like Macy's, Adidas, YSL Beauty, Samsung Petco, just to name a few. Plus, membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Here's how it works. Stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and then Rakuten shares a commission with its members via check or PayPal quarterly. And you better believe how exciting it is when your PayPal alerts you that you've gotten money. It's no wonder Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. Or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds up. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Oh, Christine, today's episode 321. It is. It is. <laughs> I don't know. I have no, uh, there's like, I wish I had thought of that earlier and made a theme out of it, but I was just looking just now and realized it was 321. Well, are you doing an alien story? Because it could be a blast off to space. No, I don't. That <laughs> would have been a fun little theme though, but uh, unfortunately, no, I'm talking about something a little more depressing today. Cool. Same here. Oh my gosh. How fun. <laughs> well, I no offense, but I feel like your stuff is usually more depressing than um three, two, one blast off UFOs. It would be wild. <laughs> so... It would be wild if I took offense to that, but, um... <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you for the caveat. <laughs> how are you doing are things well for you what's the what's the vibe these days thanks for asking you know it's a little stormy gloomy out i went to story time today and f- went and found our book at the bookstore which always you? makes my spirit feel happy um and uh i forgot coffee so i ordered some on uber eats and told blaze to bring it to me when it arrives so like a queen like a queen on a little platter so um i'm feeling a little bit bougie today in that sense um um why do you drink this weekend um oh also what remind me once you're done ask me why i drink because i i have a story but i want to hear yours first oh i i just i get paranoid that i talk too long oh well join the club i (laughs) I don't know why I drink this week. I think, well, I have a cardiologist appointment after this, and I am finding out the results of another heart monitor I was wearing for 30 days, but I have a, f- a feeling they're going to say they couldn't find anything. So <gasps> it's about to be a like a bummer that I had to wear one, which like if you've ever had to wear one, they're just so fucking annoying. And like 30 days is a long time to have to wear one. I just feel like I would uh, never shower. I'd be like, this is my excuse to never shower, but we have live shows and stuff. So I guess you have to, I did. Yeah. And they're technically water resistant. resistant. Yeah. But my favorite thing to do, and it 
in a shower is like pretend just, that I'm like in a downpour a and, like, right. and just stand there. <laughs> and so the fact that I had to kind of like just do like the whole like backing into the water thing for 30 days wasn't very fun. Um, but it was uh, I do like that I was wearing it during our first live shows when I was probably the most stressed I've been in a long time. So I'm wondering if it picked that up at all. Yeah, um, it's good timing. I mean, yeah. And um, but it didn't pick up like I haven't had any sp- you know, episodes while I was wearing it and he, so I don't know if it caught anything and we're just back to fucking square one again. So fun. anyway, I guess that's why I drink. Why do you drink? <gasps> Thanks for asking. I have a, a ghost <laughs> update. Oh, in your house. Yeah. Whoa. So nothing really crazy happened except that, oh my gosh, I have multiple. I just remembered another one. That what? okay it didn't even click until this very moment so <laughs> okay <laughs> you know how i've i'm sure i've talked about this on the show i know i've talked about this to you but there are certain like lengths of hallway or like certain rooms where at night we just know not to look there and it's mm. it's sort of that feeling of oh if i look there i know someone will be standing there and sometimes i do look and there's never anyone standing there but it's that but there feeling. Is. yeah but there right is. like it's like oh gosh I know that I'm not going to like what I see if I turn. And I've heard people describe that with sleep paralysis, like avert your eyes because you know something Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. So that's the feeling we get. And and Blaze gets that same feeling. And he's the one who said it first. So I didn't say it first. He said it. And I was like, aha. That's pretty pretty telling because he really is just so not into this world. He's just like such a skeptic, which is fine because he doesn't like, you know, poo-poo on my stuff. But he just doesn't and it's and of course it's his office where (laughs) this happens and so he just once the sun goes down he doesn't go up there and so it's just part of our routine now anyway uh you had recommended somebody from tiktok i believe uh who does uh, moonlight medium is that their name Mm, annie yeah annie yeah and so uh i did a reading with them in february or january january i think and um it was mostly about my family uh, members who've passed, but then I asked them, you know, do you get, as kind of a last minute question, like, do you get anything from my house? Because I was sitting up here in this area and I was just curious. And they said, oh, the vibe I get or the the feeling I get is that there is somebody here who doesn't pose a threat, doesn't cause harm or anything, um, is more of a lingering residual haunting of a man who lived here and they said a man who lived here past the 30s but is dressed like he's still in the 30s almost like he mm. hasn't updated his wardrobe i don't know is is how they described it and they said uh it's almost like he's replaying over and over kind of coming home from work and just kind of bumbling around And the feeling that they got was, oh, he shows up and he's like, why is my stuff moved? Like, he's just a little confused, Mm -hmm. but he's just kind of living out day to day. And so I like that eventually he goes, oh, well, and just moves on. (laughs) Just does it again. (laughs) And I was like, is he okay? Like, does he want to do something new? I don't know. But that's they said it was kind of just like a lingering and like not really consciously aware of anybody else. And that is pretty much exactly the vibe we get like we don't feel like someone's watching us or you know it almost feels like someone's there and I just don't want to look at them because I'm going to freak out so anyway this all happened and I said at the end do you get a name or anything and they said because I don't really know any of the names that of the house here and they said oh well 
there's a name I'm getting, which is Harry. And then they said, but usually, you know, I'm not names aren't like my forte when it comes to picking up on spirits and stuff. And so they said, I'm going to throw Harry out there because that's the first thing that came to mind. But, you know, I don't put too much weight on that. And then they said, um, it's, it's somebody, I said, is it somebody who built the house? Because I've heard of the family who built the house. And they said, no, it's not that he built the house. It's almost like he grew up here and then like lived here Mm -hmm. throughout his life. Uh, Mm -hmm. when he was older and so I was like interesting that's very specific so long story short moved on had a great reading la 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 now recently I've gotten back into all my genealogy ancestry uh, oh hell yeah 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 newspapers.com all that business because you know you and I have had some fun little bouts we've been playing around on ancestry recently yeah And we so found was... some things that just make no, either no sense. Well, it's not that they make no sense, but they, we had no business going on. Ancestry. We had no Let's business. Just put it that way. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> no business. That's the best way. We had no business. So uh, I was like, oh, I just want to do some poking around. And then I got back on my whole shtick of finding out more about my house. And I'm just scrolling around and I find this article about the son of the guy who built this house. And uh, how he lived here until the 40s when he passed. Mm. And his name was Harry. Shut the fuck up. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, that's so creepy. Because I hadn't known that. Um, and so anyway, ha- apparently Harry lived here. He was the son of the family that built the house or the dad who built the house. And... He lived here through the 30s, and then in the 40s, it was sold off as tenement housing. Um, and I don't want to give too much more detail because, you know, I'm triangulating myself. But, but yeah, the son's name was was Harry, and I was like – and he's the one – he's this – there were multiple children, but he's the one who stayed in the house and lived That's here. Crazy. And grew up here and died in the house. Weird, right? Wow. Well, hey, shout out to – Annie's brain, however it works, or you know, yeah, so the fact crazy. that they they were like, oh, I don't really know, I don't put much stock in names because I'm not, it's not well, my one of my gifts, and I'm like, well, think again, friend, because yeah, if you you're listening, it. if you're listening for some reason, Annie, you absolutely should put some stock in. That's names. what I'm saying, and oh I gotta say, gosh. like, or at least you have a gift, maybe you can like fine tune it because you're, it's there, I think, and and I I was saying too, um, to Blaze, like, yeah, you know, it's a common name, but then I'm thinking, and I'm like. There's lots of common. I mean, it could be Thomas. Could have been. I wouldn't have put Harry as Andrew. The first like there could have been any name. I would have thought William, John. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I feel like yes, it is a relatively common name, but like all of those things combining just felt pretty, pretty it, wild. It, yeah, it's not a name I would just shout out at the risk of my just own random. credibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So anyway, that's the fun fact from my neck of the woods. Yeah, and I also love Annie. They're amazing. I I've gone to them twice now, and uh, so if anyone needs, uh, you know, some mediumship in their life, uh, I'm pretty sure their schedule is pretty booked out for several when months M now. When Em told me about them in November, the next appointment I was able to get was like February fifth. Yeah, so it's it was a long wait. Um, but I I did the way uh, Christine ended up getting. Uh, her appointment is I had just recently done the thing where past me bought future me something. And then I surprised myself cause like edible arrangements showed up at my door 
And I was telling Christine on the podcast, I was like, you need to treat yourself every now and then and let past you do a service to future you. And one day you're going to wake up and have a surprise waiting for you. And then Christine got an appointment with Moonlight Medium. Months and- in advance. And then months later was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this thing. And now I have like a gift to myself. Yeah, except it was a day where we had something recording and I was like, we got to change our schedule. (laughs) And I panicked, but it's fine. You know, it it worked out for the best. (laughs) Well, anyway, shout out to Moonlight Medium. If anyone needs anything, uh, we both vouch that uh, Annie's pretty, pretty darn good. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. anyway, I'm glad you had, you know, a safe, spooky experience. That's super fun. It's just a fun update. So, you know, um, we have a name for our ghost now. Harry. Wow. Harry. Well, sorry, Walt. I guess he's getting pushed oh, out. Oh, yeah, Walt. <laughs> I wonder if uh, Walt and Harry know each other, though. I do, too. I wonder if they would get along or if they don't want to be in this in close quarters. I'm not I feel sure. like Walt was a little protective of you. I wonder if he'd be a little, you know, you know. Mm try to intimidate harry into like there's only this town's big enough for not for the two of us you know what I'm saying? <laughs> even though your dad built this house get out of here <laughs> <laughs> well as the vagabond he was he would absolutely <laughs> just start squatting in that house yeah it's true so, that's what he does anyway oh well i'm glad you've got something seemingly safe at least you know who to yell at if something starts happening yeah knock you know? it off harry i'll say yeah well Christine, I've got a story for you, and I gotta say, it's a it's a little fucking sad, to, uh, more sad than usual. I think. Oh, okay. Um, but we'll get through it, folks. I think we can handle it. We've handled we've handled other things in the we've past. We've handled Christine for years, so that's the truth. Yeah, yeah. I've handled Christine for yeah, even you longer. Have. So <laughs> there's just internal scars everywhere. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um, so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department Love that thing. And that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. There are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. 
Get started today and get after your goals. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required and it's less expensive than takeout. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is a perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. I've found myself recently recommending Factor to so many people in my life and this food is really good. So Blaze and I actually get to pick our own meals every week and, you know, separate them in the little drawer in the fridge and uh, make sure the other keeps their hands off. I personally love the cold brew smoothies. Those are always my go-to in the morning if I'm running around dropping Leona off, don't have time to cook myself breakfast. It's a great solution. Head to factormeals.com slash drink50 and use code drink50 to get 50% off. That's code drink50 at factormeals.com slash drink50 to get 50% off. So this episode is uh, the story of Molly Fancher, a.k.a. the Brooklyn Enigma, a.k.a. the Fasting Girl. Oh, no. Yeah. So this is where I tell everybody that there is some very light mention of eating disorders. But if that is something that you're uncomfortable with, then maybe just skip over to Christine's part. Um. And it's not anything super duper intense, but if you happen to be hypersensitive to that stuff, just mm-hmm, heads up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is an interesting case, and I think we got to talk about it. So, all right, all right, I'm ready. Here we go. This starts. We're setting the scene. You know it well. 1848, Christine. Hey, that's like ten years before my house was built. So. Harry was just a twinkle in his father's eye. (laughs) I guess so. So this starts uh, August 16th. And that's my mom's birthday. Sorry. Oh, my dad's is August 29th. Hmm. Cool. What a fun thing for nobody else. Okay. (laughs) At least Um, mine was the exact date. I just hopped on to like my, my dad's is a week later. Whatever. Uh, Okay. So 1848. And the main character, Molly Fancher, her legal name is Mary J. Fancher. And I often forget that Molly is a nickname for Mary. I feel like I it you don't is? see that very often. Uh, apparently, old-timey, yes, but nowadays, no. It's oh, kind of like you. how Margaret, there's a nickname, it's Peg or Peggy. It's like, right. how in the world it's did like, we get there? What are you doing? Um, so Mary J. Fancher, a.k.a. Molly Fancher was born, I guess, on Renata's birthday in 1848 in Attleboro, Massachusetts, and she was the oldest of five. She ends up being the oldest of 12, if you include half-siblings, but currently the oldest of five. The family soon moves out of Massachusetts and heads to Brooklyn, New York. Um, I don't know why I did that. I don't either. It was You know, I do know why I did that, because last night I watched um, Elmo's Wired interview, and uh, someone said, is Sesame Street in New York? And Elmo <laughs> had the most unhinged response I've ever seen in my what life. What did he say? He went, <laughs> hang on, I'm just going to, can I just I play can't. the audio clip? Please, I'd I rather can't. that than you try and replicate it. Okay, here's, no hang on. No, 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 you're, that makes sense. But literally, I was like, whoever decided, who was, who was playing Elmo that day? And why did they just like come in fucking hot? Um, Do different people play Elmo? If it was normal Elmo, I think they were just tired and, like, didn't give a shit that day. And they were like, I'm going to say whatever the hell I want. Um, oh, my. They, I mean, it was just him saying New York, baby. But the way that he said it was just, like, he obviously <laughs> didn't care. I just, he's, it was just very fun. Okay, here's Elmo answering, is Sesame Street in New York? Is Sesame Street 
baby boy. Oh, he's cute. I think it sounds just like normal Elmo. I feel like he's just as unhinged as always. I the the boy really got me going. So, <laughs> but uh, but so anyway, that's why I, I guess had something to say about New York. Um, wow, that was quite quite an aggressive segue. It was like one of the last TikToks I saw before I went to sleep. So I think Elmo's just fresh in my head right He's now. He's just so. living in your brain. Anyway, uh, so they moved to Brooklyn. And from the beginning of Molly's life, she apparently had some sort of supernatural darkness or gloom to her. Uh, it just always seemed that she was kind of shrouded in bad luck. And Molly's mother ended up dying very early after having several bouts of illness. Um, it was kind of pretty vague, but it sounds like she just got sick all the time and she ended up dying early. And her last wish was for her sister Susan to take care of Molly. Um, even though they had other kids, apparently she thought Molly needed the most help because everyone could kind of sense that Molly was going to have a bit of a rough life. And uh, Susan agreed and took her in permanently after Molly's father remarried elsewhere and had a whole new family. And like, Mm. I guess kind of just left the the kids to their own devices and to aunt Sarah. Um, So Molly goes to private school. She goes to seminary school for a little bit, but when she turns 16, she starts having weird health problems and that's, to me, I think interesting that her mom also had some mm-hmm. pretty severe health issues. So um, they don't mention that a lot in any notes that I saw, but I feel like it that's relevant. Exp- yeah, I feel like that's relevant. No one was talking about it. Yeah. Um, so of her illnesses, Molly had really wild migraines. She had really um, intense fainting spells. She couldn't keep food down. She became super weak and she ended up losing an incredible amount of weight mm-hmm. kind of out of nowhere. And even though she had so many symptoms, the doctor only diagnosed her with indigestion. Okay. Mm. Um, and then prescribed, I don't understand this one at all, but the medication that she was supposed to take daily was to go horseback riding. Wait, what? Oh, oh, that was the prescription. Go horseback yeah. riding. Go horseback riding. Oh, I see. Oh, sure. Oh, no, that can't help. I can't help, especially if you already have, first of all, fucking fainting spells, and now we're going to put you on a galloping horse. Um, also, you're very weak, so we're going to put you on a galloping horse. I, I don't understand. Also, migraines. A migraine? I mean, I just, I feel like the the ba- base, the background of it, I can see, like, oh, fresh air, which is what they basically recommended everybody back in the day. But the horse part, I don't understand at all. I don't understand it. It just sounds like this guy did not know what he was doing. If like I can't believe someone would come in with all those issues and he would just be like, "Oh, well, you have an upset stomach." It's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? You have diarrhea. Why don't you sit on a horse?" Okay, yeah. <laughs> great idea. <laughs> That's so fucked up. Um, <laughs> it is so fucked up. So, um, Kelsapriz, her health got worse, but through <gasps> she did start horseback riding, like the doctor said. Um, and through this, she became a pretty good horseback rider. People even, um, I guess would see her riding through the city and were just impressed with her horseback riding. Um, and one day in 1864, um, so 1864 and 48, she's what, like 26? Don't look at me. That can't be right. Say it, say it again. 1864 minus 1848. 
What's wrong with me? I went to school. She's 16. Okay. I added 10 (laughs) dates. I I added a decade by accident. Um, Oh, God. So she's 16 years old. It's May 1864. And Aunt Susan has a really weird, terrible feeling that something bad is going to happen to Molly. Oh. The day that Molly, uh, that day Molly went horseback riding. And while she was riding the horse, she dropped one of her reins. And when she leaned to grab it, while the horse was still, I guess, running, um, the horse freaked out and bucked her. (gasps) And she landed by breaking a few ribs and, quote, smashing her head on the pavement. (gasps) Um, Oh, no. The doctor said that she was saved by her heavy wool hat, which was almost thick enough to be a helmet. Um, She also... uh, after she had that horse riding accident, she ended up needing bed rest for two months and it actually took another two months for her to be a hundred percent. Um, and this accident somehow further worsened her appetite and not being able to keep food down. And, (sighs) um, she got even weaker. So, I mean, it was just, she was already sick and then this accident happened and it just couldn't have made things better. Jeez. After she hit her head, she also struggled with her vision, which led to even more migraines. Um, and I'm sure if she went to the doctor, he'd say this was all indigestion. So and you should get back on a horse. Oh, okay. right. Okay. So uh, after she is now going through even more ailments, um, she's finally getting a little better. And um, about a year later, she's... You know, she's already been fine for a little bit, but I'm sure she's struggling with probably a head injury no one's addressing. Yeah. And one day that summer, she, her aunt is feeling like something really weird's going on again, like something bad's going to happen, which at that point, I would just listen to my Aunt Susan and never move a muscle. Sorry, Um, my coffee has arrived. Oh. Hi, coffee. I'm I'm watching the reveal happen, everyone, for the silence. It's an unboxing. An unboxing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry your, to do your this. Your coffee hall. I'm sorry to do this to you, but I ordered. Uh... Ooh, I love those little Madelines. Oh, Madelines. <gasps> Rude. Did you, get the, you got the naked ones, not the chocolate ones. Yeah, dress. but it says Choco on it. Maybe they just didn't have any. They lied to me. Oh well, you'll have to eat chocolate from your pantry while you eat that and have a good time. Oh no! What do you I have do? any ice cream? You could do a little dip in. That sounds delicious. Mm, oh, okay, yeah. I'm so sorry. Please go back. I I missed the last like few seconds of what you said. Oh, uh, I was just gonna. I just said that, that on another day, Aunt Sarah all of a sudden had a weird feeling that something was off and something bad was gonna happen. And you gotta listen to her. That's what I said. I was like, I feel like if I knew Aunt Sarah was right the last time, if she felt weird, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't move. Screw that doctor. Like, he doesn't know, but Aunt Susan knows. I'd put Aunt Susan in a hospital at this point and be like, just start diagnosing people because you have a better feeling about this. Oh, I thought you meant like as a patient. You mean like as, (laughs) like employed there. As as a nurse. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So anyway, she had a weird feeling. Remember, Molly's already had a fucking head injury. She had health issues before she even had her accident. And now on this day in June, uh, Molly is uh, on a streetcar, like a trolley car. And when it stops, she tries to get off. But she gets off a little too late and the streetcar is starting up again. And so (gasps) she's now getting off the streetcar while it is back in motion. When she falls, she lands on the ground and her hoop skirt caught onto the car. So she gets (gasps) 
dragged for a block while hitting her head into the pavement the whole time. What the fuck? Um, an actual quote from uh, like probably the best source we have is that her um, nervous system was deranged after this. <gasps> I'm sorry. I'm I know. I've never. It's a nervous laugh. I've never heard anything quite described like that. Um, but she ended up having. It said her spine was injured and her nervous <gasps> system deranged. I mean, um, yeah, it sounds like it would be. I mean, already having a head injury and daily migraines before I'm that. She's alive, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh my god, I can't imagine being dragged in your head. And it, like, you can't stop your head from constantly being hit. So she had to know what was happening the whole time Ugh. so um eventually the trolley car stops um and again several ribs were broken she had another head injury she now had the spine injury which left her partially paralyzed in one of her legs um and on top of all that her eyesight is now getting worse probably because she already had eye issues after her last head injury yeah um and her left arm was experiencing a like spontaneous paralysis where every now and then it would just fucking stop working that's and then a deranged it... nervous system for you mm-hmm. plus she now had a lung infection this oh girl... my god i know i know um that's why i was doing these notes and i was like man i kind of wish i could go backwards and not do these notes um <laughs> <laughs> like, like instead of stopping the notes you're like i wish i could go back but i can't <laughs> my hands are tied i'd already done so much like prep into like you know writing these notes i was like oh that's a lot of hours like i don't know if i can do this so um i'm just waiting for it to get spooky or something so she had a lung infection and after that her doctor who i hope was a different doctor than the last one i sure hope so too honestly announces that she was going to die soon Um, wow what a genius okay i mean come on so uh Apparently, her friends came over. They all, like, hung out. I guess this was almost like a goodbye party, which mm-hmm. is so dark. Um, and soon, she appeared to have died. Appeared to have died. Oh, jeez. Um, oh, okay. But her aunt, who I guess had been, like, kind of experiencing this already, told the doctor, oh, don't call time of death. She's alive. She actually is in a trance. Okay. And I know. So now we're thinking Aunt Susan maybe also needs a doctor. What's but... happening? <laughs> so uh Aunt Susan tells the doctor, Oh, by the way, like I know she looks dead and this is probably like the worst timing in the world to tell you this, but um she has recently been prone to going into trances that last hours, sometimes weeks. Oh my god, what? Which, like, I'd be like, girl, she has a head injury. Maybe she. Like, are. Yeah, I was going to say, are those like mini comas or something that she's coming in and out of? I feel like that's not. I feel like that's mm, maybe related to all of the head injuries. I would certainly imagine, but Aunt Susan just called it a trance. Did I forget to mention these really weird, unrelated trances she goes into? uh, So there's this. So she goes into a lot of trances. Some of them last up to weeks. One source. I don't know how accurate this is because some sources absolutely just didn't even mention it. And I feel like this is kind of a a climax. One of the climaxes of the story is that when the doctor thought she died, 
Um, she actually just went into one of her trances, and this one lasted nine years. Huh? I know. <laughs> I know. Do you, what do you mean? So I don't know if, how true that one is. I I do think it's still worth being worried about the months long trances she's uh-huh. going into. Um, but pretending for a second that this nine year trance was true, and for some reason there's just like half the reporters out there to not pick up on this. According to Herbert Asbury, um, he was like a his whole thing mentioned her nine year birth a spurt. And he says, throughout the nine years, her eyes remained closed. And for six years of that, her body was cold and rigid. There was no evidence of respiration. Her physicians could detect only a slight pulse and she never spoke. So that's a fucking coma. God. Oh, my God. That's horrific. But how? But you can't be in a coma and you're not being on life support. Girl, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, my God. Like, this is a mystery you know, like for the she, ages. I guess I was going to say, how is she eating? Okay, well. Great question. Yeah, uh, but I, I let's remember the title is The, the point. Fasting Girl. Yeah. yeah. Um, so these trances apparently included also, like, we need Dr. Blaze here, uh, who, by the way, is not a doctor, but I'm going to keep calling him Dr. Blaze. Cool. Uh, but I wish Blaze were sitting next to you to tell me exactly what I to don't. describe this because I don't. <laughs> Uh, these trances include Molly's muscles seizing up and then her falling asleep for the next few hours. And then she would wake up, seize again and go back into another trance. So it was just her like constantly seizing in the middle of what I think is a coma. Like just like a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. At the very least being unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. And so, um, the doctor, I guess, listened to Aunt Sarah that Molly was, not dead but then like it seems like i don't know i don't know how they treated comas in the 1860s maybe obviously not well um uh, but... they treated them like they were trances so uh, right okay i'm so <laughs> <don't> sorry <laughs> um so the doctor was you know at least didn't call a time of death because he could feel a slight pulse i guess but he didn't know what else to do he tried some treatments but they were like pretty terrible they were like ice baths and electroshock and oh okay sure one I mean, of someone's them... already unconscious let's put him in an ice bath see what happens uh there was um one i don't understand this one a treatment where he rolled her in wet sheets which i'm what is her face involved because that's fucking waterboarding War- oh my god waterboarding yeah i don't know um it all sounds terrible like for and what I guess like trying to my guess is doing terrible things so she'll wake up from the pain jar her out I, of her sleep right there's another source where uh that she ended up being so fed up with these um she ended up being so fed up with all the treatments this doctor was trying to do that she couldn't take it anymore which makes me think she was fucking aware of all wait, of wait. this she was saying that she said later she comes back she said later that she was so fed up with all of it, <gasps> which makes me think that she, she knew was, what like, was going on. She was like consciously aware of it, right? For like nine years, which <gasps> that's like that horrible. Was it like a Grey's Anatomy episode where someone was like awake in a coma See, for that's, years? Like that's the kind of thing that's I, my worst fear. Like my worst, uh, worst I fear. I don't even. This is all just such a terrible story. Um, worst fear. And so, 
Anyway, that source says that she was over it. Um, she even says <laughs> over it. She's well, like, not obvious. the wet sheets again. Come on, think of something new. I know. I actually can't. Like, can you imagine if she wasn't over it? I'd be like, girl, what the <laughs> we? <laughs> she said she positively refused to submit to any further treatment. But like, I don't know what that really means. Like, how, how? did she stop them? Yeah. Maybe this. I maybe I'm mixing two sources up, and like she had that that trance but then in other trances the doctor was trying to help her and she was awake i, I just really hope she wasn't awake or in like aware I mean, in a right coma. right let's hope not i hope i just got my research fucked up that's what i'm really hoping so um, we're just bad at research okay so in 1866 molly has another medical crisis can you believe it um I, where no, she, barely she had a so she's woken up at this point i guess um but she had another crisis where she had a, quote, spasm, a.k.a. a seizure. Um, they weren't calling it a seizure. They were calling it spasms. But for all intents and purposes, they mm -hmm. it seems like it was a seizure. Um, and through this, I don't know how, but it must have just been a really fucking bad seizure. And Aww. she lost all of her senses. She <sighs> could not see. She could not hear. You she mean like afterward? Yeah. Oh, no. Like as a result. Could not see oh, hear no. smell or touch so she just lost all sense and um plus her throat permanently seized up so she couldn't eat or speak what the fuck i like can't imagine i can't imagine a worse medical history it's what just sound like the fuck? um and keep in mind again she says that she had awareness the whole time <sighs> I promise it gets kind of spooky. I swear to God. What, um, like, what the fuck kind of story is it? They're not even, well, they're sort of crime, but they're not even crime yet. Okay. It's definitely de fucking negligence out the wazoo. Medical that's negligence. for sure. Yeah, that's true. Um, but during this time, Molly, here here we go with the, this is where it gets a little eerie all of a sudden. Okay. okay. So now she's had this essentially a seizure and she's just locked in her own brain. Just that's her whole nightmare nightmare um my but brain now, is a scary place i don't want to be in there because it's just fallout boy lyrics for <laughs> if i wish then i would be in there um molly decides not decides molly realizes um while she's i guess just fucking sitting there existing and probably so beyond miserable she realizes that she is developing a second sight she even though she can't see she's weirdly able to see she can mm. sense things i think of it as maybe daredevil the superhero who like he goes blind and all of a sudden develops a second sight of sorts um she could sense things around her she knew where items were even if they weren't in the same room as her uh she could sense she knew the time accurately like by the minute she knew who was in the room with her and where in the room they were even if they came in silently um eventually her sense of touch started to come back and slowly one of her arms started to move again so she was able she also started being able to speak a little bit but very very slowly and what she soon learned was not only did she have second sight but she also was developing a supernatural touch mm. and so which, like, honestly, thank fucking God something good is coming for this person. Like, yeah. I'm glad. At is least, it good? I hope so. I I think it's good. I mean, it's at least neutral. But <laughs> I, uh, 
But like, damn, at least something that isn't a seizure or a head injury is happening right. for this person. Right. Um, so with her new supernatural touch, she was able to touch a sealed envelope and know exactly word for word what the letter inside read. Because oh. even if it was dark and she was blindfolded, I mean, they tried everything, but she always knew things that she shouldn't be able to see. She was having visions all of a sudden. She could, you know tell you where something was if you lost it but then it was somewhere in the house she just knew exactly where it was as if she could see through walls and so she would say like people knew this because she was starting to be able to speak so she could Mm -hmm. say okay got it um she also could predict what people had in their pockets and then when her friends realized she had this gift they started bringing over like fucking crazy things really random shit i love just that. to <laughs> test her i like by the way i love them in the 1860s she still had her girls no and they i was were gonna like... say it's like exactly what you would do today for sure yeah <laughs> i hope they brought like the most unhinged things in their pockets i would and be then... so nervous because my purse is always just a black hole of like disaster i mean yeah I, she'd be like why is there dirty i don't, I don't know what's in there something not that's not supposed to be in there Uh, she well she also was able to predict the weather she could tell when storms were coming in and she knew who was at the front door before they even knocked so uh, i think that's pretty cool she was basically ring doorbell for the 1860s cool she would also have visions where she was able to see what was going on in other areas so it was almost an astral projection kind of thing where she would i guess i love that like think about a friend and all of a sudden she knew what they were wearing what they were doing who they were with and then could report back to them when they when she saw them again this is a friend you want you're like what's margaret doing today yeah he could i mean as the friend who's like nosy i want to know what margaret's up to who's she on a date with like how's yeah, it going i don't think this is the friend you want i think this is the friend you want to be whether or not other people want it i think you're like i'm gonna be surveillance for fun <laughs> wait 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 what do you mean i mean i'm saying i wish i had a friend like this to tell me all the gossip about our other friends oh i thought you were saying like you just want to be nosy and so you just wanted to see like no i am nosy so i want like molly to sit there and be like hmm under check in so i can just eat my popcorn and and listen yeah okay that makes sense too yeah yeah, yeah. i think either way if you were given the gift of surveillance or you knew somebody i think you'd still find a way to reap the rewards (laughs) i think you'd be like this works very very well (laughs) we can make this work yeah (laughs) let's light that candle yeah so um yeah, all of a sudden she was just able to s- have visions. And I mean, ironically, since she didn't have vision yeah. anymore, but, you know, she could see what was going on in other areas. She knew where anything was at any moment. She could, you know, you could hide something from her and she would still know what it was. And Aunt Susan said that a lot of times Molly was able to do this when she would go into, quote, absent minded states, mm. I, which like that sounds again like an absent seizure or something. I mean, it sounds like uh, my life. It sounds like she. It sounds like something's like. Is she? Are these also trances? I'm so fucking confused. An why she? Minded state. Like, yeah. it's that's a, you know. We've both been there. If we're keeping it vague, yes, I guess we've all experienced maybe an absent-minded state. <laughs> this, however, seems to be a little more magical, right? Um, either in a good or bad way. But if you ever do have an absent-minded state, Christine, where all of a sudden you can like see what clothes I'm wearing, maybe we have a conversation. <laughs> so. I feel like, hold on, no, 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 a blue shirt. Okay, well, what color pants am I wearing? That's a trick question. None. Ah. Okay. Well, we'll have to. <laughs> we'll have to have a talk later 
<laughs> about uh, boundaries since you have this weird gift. Blaze and I just went to a New Year's wedding and we have one coming up next weekend. Not a New Year's wedding, but another friend's wedding. And I just love weddings. I feel like I've said that so many times at this point. And that's why I always love telling you all about Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From free planning tools like a customizable checklist and website to a venue and vendor discovery tool that matches you with your dream team, everything on Zola is designed to make your wedding journey as easy as possible. And with invites that are fun to create and a wedding registry packed with gifts you actually want, Zola takes you from save our date to thanks so much without breaking a sweat. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go. Zola really has become the sort of one-stop shop for wedding planning. I used Zola when I got married, and it was an indispensable tool. I could not, I swear to you, I could not have gotten half of the stuff done that I did without Zola on my side. But now, Zola, I'm only a little bit bitter, has so many more amazing tools. They have an app. They have all sorts of stuff like that that wedding vendor discovery tool. You know, that is really cool. I, I kind of want to go back. Blaze, should we get married again? Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A dot com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So uh, Aunt Susan would say that Molly would go into these absent-minded states in her trances and sometimes she oh god this is actually so much more darker than how we were just making it sound cool ah okay what a fun show we have Mm -hmm. so she would go into these absent-minded states and she would rattle off what people were doing throughout town but despite this gift she also was still left with debilitating spasms that sometimes left her oh my god quote bent like a hoop and her toes <gasps> touching her head oh my god oh god uh, shit that's so bad um, oh god and remember she's still not eating or drinking anything because it's hard for her to keep food down right um, okay she, with the amount of food she's not eating she should not be alive keep in mind with the amount of head injury she's had she should well, not be yeah. alive i mean it's like she's defying death yes. all over the place bingo in a lot of ways she should not be alive for very serious reasons and she is still kicking and um aunt susan can't figure out how she's surviving without eating food and molly said quote i get nourishment from a source you're ignorant to whoa i don't even know what that i would be so scared i'd be like okay well absolutely back out of the room be like okay i'd be like okay bye that's nice Um, honey (laughs) so the only times that she didn't look to be in terrible pain were during these trances so it's almost like these trances are being encouraged now for her to okay 
But in these trances, she's now able to talk to spirits. So she just doesn't get a break, man. It's like she went from, but you know what's so weird is I wonder if, and I'm playing into this, by the way, because I'm sure there's like some medical reasons for a lot of this stuff now, but mm-hmm. playing into the storyline here. Right. I, I wouldn't be surprised as a family member or a friend of the time to be like, homegirl is on the fucking brink of death. Of course she's able to see the other side. True. Like, I mean, yeah, it's true. I mean, we hear even nowadays, like people who work in hospice or end of life care who say when people pass, they encounter others who've passed, including pets and family members. So, I mean, I this one, isn't a far stretch. I have one friend who, um, she went through some real gnarly health stuff when we were younger and she died on the table 12 times. Oh my God. And, uh, now she is, uh, she's one of my friends who just can see fucking ghosts. Like she just, she just sees shit all the time. Does and she feel like it's a gift or a curse or both? I think probably both. Mm-hmm. I think she, as she's gotten older, she, I, and I'm totally speaking on her behalf here, but she said she's able to control it a little better as she gets older or like she's been able to like just shut it off because she just like sometimes it was overwhelming. Yeah. But when she was a kid, like it, people would just show up and she like couldn't tell if they she's were like, dead or that, alive. Are you real or dead or alive? Oh, God. Yeah. And again, like that's another conversation where like people were discussing mental health of like you can fucking see people that aren't there like that's well, not sure good. and that's a dangerous space to like make it's not a black and white like <laughs> you know thing where you're yeah. like well it's definitely ghosts or it's definitely schizophrenia like well yeah she thought for a long she was like what the fuck is wrong with me like i need to go to like an, an actual doctor but and it anyway that's that's a whole conversation for another time but anyway she uh i i know people who've like you know, died on the table and they think, well, because I was so close mm-hmm. to death so many times, like things are just more, I'm more tapped in like by accessible. accident. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense in some way to me. In some way. <laughs> also still advocating for mental health. Please go to, right, to a doctor right. if you're if, seeing things. If you're seeing people, dead people <laughs> and you're not sure why, then it's definitely see a doctor not the doctor who if he tells you to get on a horse like if he tells you it's indigestion you know go somewhere well it might be indigestion too because you know that's pretty abundant nowadays but (laughs) if he tells you the the only solution is to ride a horse through town i would probably try to just like get a second opinion you know (laughs) so with uh so now she can talk to spirits molly can talk to spirits now sure and with all of her health stuff sometimes this is very very sad but also kind of understandable that she was just in so much pain and going through so much all the time she was in essentially a coma um and having seizures and just in so much pain that she wished she was dead a lot and she felt cheated that she was only getting a taste of the other side when she had to still be here that's really sad it's really sad um you hear that about people too who are suffering greatly and say that same kind of thing. Like I, it's I like know it would just be easier, easier to go to the other side. Yeah. 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 So one day, um, but, and as this is happening, she's still honing her gifts. I guess that's, that's all you can do if you're fucking well, bedridden. Sure. Like, you know, might if as you, well, if you're bedridden and can all of a sudden talk to ghosts, you probably start talking to ghosts a whole fucking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and she started able, she started being able to like really, fine-tune and master her abilities where she could like see things even though she couldn't see and so it got to a point where like a guy came over to her house and she said like 
I think she started accidentally outing herself to people because this guy came over to her house and she was like, oh, um, that girl you were out with recently looked really pretty on your date. And then like described the date to him. And <laughs> I think she was like just trying to strike up conversation and totally forgot that was not apropos. Um <laughs> What, so the, but what is like at this point like what's a faux pas when you're like basically your friends are like she's gonna be dead any second at this yeah, point like forget point. conventional uh you know politeness <laughs> honestly yeah i'd be like i'm molly fancher i'm gonna say whatever the fuck i want <laughs> um and i guess later this is like this is the most christine thing i've ever heard oh, in my life no. so she was apparently already creeping on this guy and like had seen him on a date and was like then reported back to him like, oh, she looked really pretty. And did you have fun doing this? And I saw you guys were doing this. Then after he left, she like tapped back in and like watched him go to his friend's house and be like, dude, this girl like was able to predict everything. Sorry, I just broke my microphone. That's really funny. So now she's like going home and watching. Wait, she's watching other people go home and react to I hope her she's freaking not, them like, out. Sensitive like me because I feel like that would hurt my feelings. But I hope that she was like, like amused by this because it's very funny. It had to be such a fun pastime. Like I'm right? gonna freak him the fuck out and then if just like not, see like, what super happens. Sensitive, you might as well just pop around and see what people are saying about you. But also think of the superpower of just being able to hear what anyone's t- saying about you. I Ooh. don't. I see. I would not do well with that. Like I would, I would struggle with that. But I mean, it sounds like she's the perfect person for the job. <laughs> she's like, I'm gonna make this fun if I have to be here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good for her. Later on, um, and keep in mind, this by the way was uh, a time where it was the end of I think the first wave of spiritualism. So people heard about Molly because she started freaking people out like this. Sure, and. All of a sudden, they were coming over her at house asking her to become uh-huh. a medium for them and do seances for them. Um, she, I guess, she said no because she still felt like her, uh, which is fair, by the way. She said she only talked to spirits she knew, and which I love the stranger danger PSA. Love it. But she also was like, um, whatever is going on with my health, that needs to be studied first by a fucking doctor, not spiritualists. And so fair and not again, let me just be extremely clear about this. Not the horse doctor, not the horse doctor. He does not like, know what he's doing. Harvard medical professionals, maybe, um, maybe, but yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. Like, if she's thinking, like, the only reason I have this, quote, gift is because, like, I've had so many fucking accidents that gave me so many, like, head injuries. Yeah. And, like, like, I don't, like, let's not, she, I, I imagine, was saying, like, I could see why people would want me to be a medium for them. But more importantly, like, I just want to know what the fuck's wrong let's with me. Let's get to the co- the root cause. Yeah. So, uh, which would also be helpful for people who are seeking a medium. Like, if we knew how that happened. Yeah, I like that she was like, science first, babes. Um, She was (laughs) a woman in STEM, obviously. (laughs) Obviously. So soon her trances developed again. And I don't know if they developed again, but Molly is now being a little more open about something that's been going on during her trances. Which Molly started kind of shutting down, going into trances, and coming back, acting like other people. Even saying that there were five Molly Fanchers. Oh, no. So today, many psychiatrists think of uh, this as probably dissociative identity disorder, DID. 
Um, especially because when Aunt Susan was saying that during her trances, she was having moments of absent-mindedness, which could have been her, like, switching between altars. Mm. Um, I don't know if she, if these other identities were present the entire time, or I, I think this became, like, part of... I think this happened later. Like this was like almost a new symptom, which is weird. Interesting. Because it... I mean, I feel like uh, they say DID stems oftentimes from severe trauma. So I severe see... head trauma. I don't know, but but I, I mean, think... like trauma, like emotionally speaking. So I wonder if this is just this is how it manifested. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't know enough about DID, and I I don't want to like say anything too wrong. But I do know that it stems from trauma and. This is a trauma. I don't know if this is usually like the textbook reason. I think it's more like you said, emotional or like right. sexual trauma, like or psychological like that. trauma, that kind of thing. But I gotta say, there is a psychological trauma to being bedridden for well, years right. and years That's and years. That's what I mean. Like I wonder if and... the trauma of this whole experience was mm, part yeah. of it. Yeah. So now she's saying there's five Mollies, and she gave each of them a name. One was Sunbeam. One was Idol. One was Rosebud, one was Pearl, and one was Ruby. Oh um, Sunbeam apparently showed up the most often. Um, and there was a quote somewhere that said, Ruby was very good at repartee. And I was like, ooh, I like Ruby. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Molly said that sometimes... She wasn't using the, this terminology, by the way, but um, Molly said that sometimes these alters or personalities of hers or the other Molly's would be silent for years, but then oh. when they would come back, they would speak as if no time had passed. So they would still think it was five years ago or whatever. Oh, so they would think they're in the past? Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Which I wonder if any of them were like pre-trauma, like pre-head injuries, and just so thought like when it said like no time, like no time had passed. They don't mean like oh, like an old friend, like no time had passed. We're back. No, no, no. It was like it was like oh, and five. If it's been five years since we saw Ruby, then all of a sudden Ruby appears. Ruby thought five years had. <gasps> Which is weird because I don't think that's a trait of DID either. No, so I, I don't I mean, know what's I don't know what's not going that on. I know of, but um and with <laughs> finally when molly like kind of told her friends like hey like there's five molly fanchers in my head or that's how it feels sometimes when i come out of these trances molly's friends were like ultra allies they were like mm -hmm. super supportive um they even would exchange letters with each of her alters so they each got like a friend oh, wow. which i thought was that's nice cool. And interestingly, though, um, even though Molly still had other spiritual gifts, um, she still had this gift of visions that was probably the most prominent out of all of them. So one of her best tricks um, that she would do, I don't know if like all, quote, five Molly Fanchers could do these gifts or maybe only one of them was able to do them. I don't know. That I feel like that was a great question that nobody answered. Yeah. If like, can all of your identities have these gifts or is it just like Sunday? Do they like... Share, yeah split them up that's interesting um so when she had her gift of visions she would play games with her friends and one of them was that she they would put something in an envelope and she would be able to guess what it was um she also said that she could do embroidery still even though she would probably do it in the dark um but she claimed she knew the colors just by touch alone oh and uh she could also see again premonitions of what her friends were up to she 
<laughs> this is one of my favorites, but her friends, there was one time where they dropped something and it like rolled under the bed, but he couldn't find it. And she was able to play like hot and cold with him until he <laughs> found it. And so it became like a thing where she'd play hot and cold with people with like the stuff that they lose in her house. Um, <laughs> which I, I love I, that she, that's what I would wish I could do. <laughs> I love that. She didn't just fucking say it's under the bed. Like she had to be like, you're getting warmer. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's way more fun. Yeah. Um, and here's a fun fact. She also had a pet squirrel um, and she could sense wherever it was in the house. So if she wanted to like go, if she wanted to play with the squirrel, she could tell her friends like, oh, can you go downstairs? He's like sitting right there. Can you go grab him? Or, oh, can you go? He's up? on the toilet. Can you go give him some toilet paper and bring him <laughs> back up? in the underwear drawer again. Oh, um, not again. So Molly was also able to um, like as far as i'm concerned fully astral project in her trances over time where she could see her friends going about their day where she felt like she could even like wave to them and say hi to them they just weren't responding to her Mm. um and this is where i say again let's remember that as quote cool as some of her gifts might be um molly still never ate or drank like ever 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 um she was again diagnosed with indigestion at 16 then after her accidents um they kind of like made her ability to keep food down even worse but eventually i'm not kidding she was going months months without food and somehow was alive oh no um and she became known as the fasting girl which like that implies that she like wanted this like you know what i mean like she and I'll say real quick, there was an author named Joan Jacob Brumberg who quoted in one six month period, uh, Molly recorded intake. Molly's recorded intake was four teaspoons of milk punch, two teaspoons of wine, one small banana and a piece of cracker. That was God. It. Um, so I she did... is eating like little drops of stuff, but like so she... droplets, but she okay interesting interesting um also this is where i interject real quick because i saw four teaspoons of milk punch and i was like what the fuck is that i'm so glad you're interjecting um so the internet gave me different information here one was a a little more simple of an answer where like it's just a drink that you add like a cream or two like eggnog Mm. um but there was another version which i think was like more during like pirate era and apparently it was when you would add boiling milk to citrus alcohol drinks um because the because instead of i guess it in times where they didn't have sugar um to like cut the acid and like or like cut the citrus in a really acidic drink um the same solution you could you could do the same thing when you if you didn't have sugar by using whey from milk but to do that you had to throw boiling milk into the drink so that the citrus would separate the whey and the milk solids and then you had to strain it so then you were drinking boiling milk whey with your citrus brandy or whatever it was it sounds really disgusting um (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) although someone recently tried it on like a recipe page and they said it tasted like yogurt and i want to throw up so um oh i don't like that so if you want to have some milk punch maybe just have some eggnog or don't have any milk that's you know don't have milk punch that'd be great that'd be great for me um but anyway back to the really dark bullshit of this is that 
uh, she was only able to drink like four teaspoons of that and then like have a banana in six months. That was the whole fucking mm. thing. And then they called her the fasting girl um, because she became the most famous of several fasting girls. Oh, and no. um, so what that means is that in the Victorian era, there was a whole legion of preteen teenage girls that were going by the phrase fasting girl. Oh, no. Um, because they refused to eat and they claimed that it gave them magical or religious powers. Um, okay. And fasting girls were like, it was quote, a fad at yeah. the time. Um, and it was more or less fasting girls were essentially girls who were doing like faith based starvation to quote, purge their body of sin. That's sad. That's so um, sad. At the time, this was encouraged by doctors and encouraged sure. by spiritual leaders because it's, you know, they thought Not that surprising. it. surprising. Yeah, I mean that fucking doctor with the horseback riding uh suggestion, I'm sure he also thought that fasting was good mm -hmm. or something. Um and during this is so wild, it was such a popular trend um in the Victorian era that there were companies who were hiring fasting girls to be displayed at their stores. Gross. To show that they were like a good I'm assuming a good Christian store. I don't understand. You mean like a, oh, I thought it's like a, to like model their clothing. <laughs> Oh, I thought it was like to because like the whole thing was just making them stand there and watch them starve if you come to our shop. So I don't Ugh. it's still so fucked up. Um, and there were some there were so many fasting girls who ended up dying of starvation. There of was course. one named Sarah where her parents and the church told her to do this for God. Um, oh. She died and they were charged with manslaughter, convicted of manslaughter. Um, and there were many, many like Sarah. I don't know how. Molly was not someone who died considering she barely, barely ate. Um, but th that's my confusion also with calling her a fasting girl because she never like seems to really lean into religion. She never said this was like for religious beliefs. In fact, she seemed miserable. Like she seemed like, I mean, she had so said so many times, like she just wanted to die because she couldn't eat food. Like, so I, I have, I think fasting girls is terrible in its own way. It's like a, a misnomer for her as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I so see what I, you're I, saying. They keep calling her fasting girl as if this was something she wanted as if to she do. she was like, part of this like trend or whatever, but. Yeah. But she yeah. also was just like, I mean, she was just so miserable and wanted right. to eat. So, right. um, but I did want to give the caveat of like what fasting girls were at the time I because I didn't it was, that. it was a big fad at the time. And so I could see why people thought they just kind of clumped her into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and nowadays, obviously, doctors think that this is a sign of either hysteria and or anorexia. Right now, um, anorexia, the, the biggest um, category of that is anorexia nervosa. But mm -hmm. this would actually be categorized as anorexia mirabilis, um, which is holy anorexia or, again, mm -hmm. faith-based starvation. Um, and Molly Fancher is considered the most famous of the fasting girls, even though... Again, she never really claimed ever this was for religious reasons, but she still, quote, beat them all and like was the most popular of them all mm. because so many obviously died of starvation and probably very soon because you can't last without food for very long. Right. And yet Molly Fancher survived 14 years. Oh, my God. Um, That's so heartbreaking. 
she also openly like i said uh openly wished that you know she could just go to the other side because she was in so much pain um and other than i mean she was never able to keep food down all that much until Mm -hmm. the end of her life which is interesting that it kind of came back Mm -hmm. um she eventually did regain some of her sight and she had less spasmy seizures but in 1916 she died at 68 after being in bed for 51 years (gasps) um she and although she like i said regained some of her health um she pretty much she never totally recovered from all the injuries she had um but she was still like making newspaper reporters question what was going on like doctors still couldn't figure out how she was alive scientists didn't know how she was able to like see items in her house and was having spiritual visions that she was accurately describing later so she was still blowing people's minds and before she died one of her friends named abram daly he decided that he was going to write down her life story so that way before she died so she could like edit and review it and make sure that it was accurate oh wow Um, well that's really thoughtful to at least give her that i don't know opportunity yeah well i think he was like your story's so fucking crazy no one's gonna believe it so like please confirm or deny this approval on it yeah and so um he ended up writing a book called molly fancher the brooklyn enigma an authentic statement of facts in the life of mary j fancher and this is probably the biggest source i use for today's notes um the intro to it uh abram says it's not my purpose to advance theories of my own the facts must stand by themselves for unbiased judgment of the reader so he was like these are the fucking facts do what you want with it um And most statements in there are very warm from people that knew her, but there are a lot of people in there who like openly say they wanted to expose her secrets on like how she was able to do these spiritual things or, you know, these magical things, but she was never figured out. Um, She had fascinated scientists, spiritualists, doctors, reporters, and allegedly even PT Barnum asked her to go on tour with him. Um, She's like, what, carry me there? Like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. well also i think didn't he have like quote human zoos or whatever it was like freak i mean shows yeah or something? i'm just so, like was she just gonna be like lifted out of bed and taken i, I know, know but I, I guess but i guess yeah probably <laughs> probably and yeah. um but so he she he asked her to go on tour allegedly and um she even one of the cool things she did was she wrote a bestseller of her own biography, which I oh, love. Good. She sold wax flowers and embroideries that she made, even though she like barely had functioning hands and arms. But and, she was, and she could say she said she could tell the colors, right? Just like by yeah. feel. That's cool. Um, and about her own health issues, she said, "I don't know what they can base my complaint upon. I have broken the backbone of science and all the ologies." And so, <laughs> all the ologies, I love that. So she was just like, "I don't fucking know what's wrong with me. Doctors never figured it out. I broke um, science." Okay, <laughs> she literally said, "I broke science," and no scientist can prove. Can no one can was able to like expose her secrets because, as far as we know, she at least maybe got some slight gift out of all these horrible things. Mm-hmm. So um, she's just, again, they call her the Brooklyn enigma. She is totally a mystery. Nobody knows how she was able to do what she was able to do. Um, and by the way, one of those things includes being fucking alive. So, right. um, and I know this was like a little bit of a detour from my normal stories, but there was some mystery elements to it. Hell yeah. 
but um, I'm sorry it was so dark. And just to end on, um, just to continue that real quick, if you are someone who is either suffering from an ED or if you know someone who is suffering from an ED, uh, you can go to nationaleatingdisorders.org or you can call or text 1-800-931-2237. Great. So, yeah. And that's definitely. that's Molly Fancher. Wow, what a story, Em. I, I that whoa, that took me for a ride. <laughs> I I feel bad because usually my stories are at least like not so fucking dark and like no, there's a little I more. I mean, I don't room, know. You've but... done quite a few witch stories. I wouldn't say this one was th- that much darker than a lot of the stories you've covered. I, I guess think... so. I just feel like I usually like there's there's I feel like eventually like I get to a point where I'm only talking about the redemption of, of it or something maybe or the ghosts yeah or the ghosts but it just was all confusion <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I think you did great I I found it to be quite a, a great storytelling so thank you Em. thank you so I have a really fucked up story today too we oh good twinsies yay welcome to the club so this is a story of Khalil Wheeler Weaver and this is a not super well-known case. You'll see why pretty quickly. Um, but the first time I ever heard about it was on Sinisterhood. Uh, and I listened to the episodes they did on him recently. And so I hope it's not, I hope this doesn't come out too close to when those came out. But um, I will say, you know, it's at least, it's some. they have a different angle just because like Heather's a lawyer and all that. And so there's just, you know, I feel like, even if it's the same topic, it'll definitely still be a different take on it. Um, but they did a, just a, like an amazing job on the story, which is why I wanted to cover it. So here we go, Em. Here we go. We're going to 2016. Ooh, I do know her fondly. You, We actually for once do. Yes, we know her fondly. Um, well, not so fondly. I, I think I have a cross stitch I made somewhere here that says fuck 2016. So, uh, Oh, yeah. We know her too fondly. We actually. know her a little too fondly. Maybe not fondly. No, just fondly well. is not the right word. Yeah. <laughs> she was around while we're we were familiar. around. We're familiar. Let's put yeah, it that way. We're frenemies. Mm, we're just enemies. Um. So Khalil was 20 years old in 2016. He was um, a relatively unassuming person. He lived in Orange, New Jersey, which is a tiny township where a quarter of the population lived below the poverty line. And within this population, Khalil's family did pretty well. So he lived a comfortable life. Um, He had a very, you know, uh, classically average two-parent household. Uh, his stepfather and uncle were both police officers. He never got into any trouble. Like, he was just your average teenager when he mm-hmm. was in high school. Got he it. was pretty shy. He kept to himself at school. Um, he didn't really do sports. He didn't date much. Um, but he also wasn't – he didn't stand out for anything negative either. So f- here's what uh, a former classmate once said. You have to wear Jordans, the newest ones that just came out. Your shirt has to match your sneakers and your hat. That's what you wore if you were going after the females. It was a street style. He wasn't a street kid. You knew based on how he dressed that he came from a good home, a good family. He wasn't popular, but he wasn't bullied either. So like basically just your average Joe. Mm-hmm. His best friend, whose name was Richard Isaacs, told NorthJersey.com, Khalil is the funniest guy you could ever meet. He doesn't talk too much, but when he does talk, he's hilarious. After high school, he came out of his shell a bit. He started to date. Uh, He worked as a security guard at a grocery store, and people seemed pretty comfortable around him. He had, you know, good friends. He seemed quiet and kind. But 
internally, he had problems with the world. Uh, He felt like a victim. He felt like he was ignored by women. He felt like he was missing out on life. And at some point, he decided to take that fate into his own hands and do something about it. Mm -hmm. So Robin Daphne Michelle West was Khalil's first known victim. Okay. She was from Pennsylvania, and in 2016, she was living with a friend in West Philly. She had been born September 5th, 1996, and she was only four days out from her 20th birthday when she was killed. Her father was a police officer, an assistant church pastor, and Robin often led the church choir. She loved to sing. Her siblings had fond nicknames for her, like Bougie and Ra-Ra. Her mom called her headstrong with a softer side that she tended to show sometimes. She was passionate about the unhoused crisis in Philadelphia, and she wanted to help people, and that was her goal in life. However, she had also struggled with mental health issues throughout her life, spending time in a treatment center for children with mental and behavioral issues. And uh, this center that she spent time in, incidentally, was later exposed for both physical and sexual abuse of the children that were there. So Mm. we don't know if that's linked to her time there, but it's worth noting. Okay. So at age 14, Robin had made her two lifelong best friends at this uh, center that she had attended. Their names were Tracy Johnson and Bernicia Patterson. So the three of them were like family. Um, Bernicia remembers, we were always together. We acted alike. Blood couldn't make us no closer. So Robin's family described her as headstrong and adventurous and, you know, she had her struggles, so they did worry about her, but she also brought so much joy to her family's lives. Um, But she also didn't always get along with her parents. You know, I guess not everybody does. I don't think so. No. Or I guess nobody always does. I don't know the best way to put that, but... Um, She ended up moving out when she was 18 and began work as an exotic dancer. And while her family did know she was doing that, her family did not know she had started doing sex work beyond her dancing. Okay. So rape and sexual assault and just plain old assault um, are very underreported in the sex work business, as we can all imagine. But data shows that as many as 45% to 75% of sex workers do experience violence in their work. Shit. Yeah, it's a high number. What what was the, can you say the numbers again? Yep. 45 to 75% of sex workers experience violence in their work. And I think what's also telling is that range 45 to 75, because it's only an estimate because we don't really know. It's so underreported. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so alarming to see such a wide range because it's like, it could be as high, you know, could be much higher. We just, we just don't know. So violence against sex workers is also often committed by police officers. So there is, in that case, especially no way to seek help, you know, when the person Mm -hmm. who's supposed to be helping is not. Relief funds and counseling services created for rape victims often explicitly turn sex workers away, like put it as part of the regulations or um, stipulations uh, they are oh. in uh, ineligible for assistance a lot of oh, times. What? Yeah, really? It's just part of the rule. Oh my yeah. God. It's really disturbing. And then of course, adding on to that, as we can all probably guess, trans folks and people of color are at an even higher risk of sex work related violence. And obviously just 
violence in general. So it, mm-hmm. it you know, it spans over to sex work as well, unsurprisingly. So on August 31st, 2016, Robin was visiting New Jersey for a few nights with Bernicia, her friend, and they wound up running out of money and needed a place to stay. So they went out looking for clients. While she was out walking, a man pulled up alongside Robin and her friend in a silver sedan, and he beckoned Robin over with his finger. The driver was 20-year-old Khalil Wheeler Weaver. She got in with him, and Bernicia told him, be careful with my sister because I love her. Then Bernicia, being, you know, smart, having those smarts, she wrote down the, the guy's license plate. Because she job. was like, well, my friend's going with him. I'm going to write down. That's just what they did, looking out you know, for each other. It's so wild. I feel like I have gotten into a habit now where any time I, I see a car of any interest to me, I try to remember the license plate. And it's, I'm sure, such a good practice when it's needed. But every other time I'm like, the whole time I'm memorizing the license plate, I'm like, do I have OCD? Like, do, am I <laughs> am I terrified of every car on this road for no reason? I, I never know. I've written down license plates since I was a kid. I just always thought like, well, you never know. I would just, yeah. which, which, you know, is kind of an odd hobby for a child. Um, but you know, <laughs> it, it could, you know, someday it might help. I don't know. Not who, not in, I, it maybe it was weird for other kids, but not ones who were, you know, maybe destined to do a true crime. Prog- <laughs> that's fair. Podcast. That's fair. And who were in the backseat reading like Stephen King. So yeah, yeah. it's a good, it's a good point. <laughs> like of all people, it's not that shocking. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if you're worried about uh, a friend or whatever, of course, writing down the, their license plate just makes sense. So that's what she did. She wrote down the license plate. They always did this for each other um, just to, you know, try and help keep each other safe while they worked. Well, thank God. Yeah. So Khalil took Robin uh, to one of the many abandoned houses in Orange Township and he murdered her. Oh, so. man just so that was just the whole plan that was just the plan from step one yep for reasons we still don't know khalil then set the house on fire to Uh, destroy evidence uh which was odd because he never did that again so um maybe he just thought this was an effective way for his first murder to try and cover up evidence maybe maybe if it was his first murder he was bad at it and like right. didn't, like more like, paranoid or something and thought thought evidence was maybe gonna be easy to find i don't know yeah it, uh, to me it's a sort of like well you're just putting a big flashlight on the crime you did yeah <laughs> but uh, you know i, don't or I know. wonder maybe he stopped because he realized like oh arson was like i could have gotten away with the murder but the arson is what tipped me off or something oh so. like maybe the arson is you're adding on to it yeah yeah it's like another tell i guess mm. So he set the house on fire, um, and the fire was so intense that five nearby cities sent firefighters to protect the neighborhood uh, oh, from cities. Oh my uh, god! Yes, five nearby cities sent Ooh. their firefighters to uh, try and stop the blaze from spreading. Uh, the fire was obviously ruled arson pretty quickly, and tragically, when Robin's body was discovered inside the house, the lead investigator said in his 17-year career, her remains were the most destroyed of any he had ever seen. <gasps> it's really oh dark. Oh, my God. And for wow. that reason, it took two weeks for authorities to identify Robin by her dental records. Oh, my God. So, of course, the news gets to Robin's family. Of course, they're absolutely devastated. 
not only was someone they love deeply taken from them in such a horrific, tragic way, but now they're also discovering things about mm-hmm. her life that they didn't know. You know, uh, her father, who's a police officer, didn't realize, you know, his daughter was doing sex work. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it was just a really hard and jarring and shocking yeah. time. Okay. And then you think about how the news outlets framed this and it made made this whole experience even harder for her family so headlines uh called robin a quote philadelphia prostitute a hooker um there was just absolutely no reverence or empathy for robin or her family and you know we see this all the time this is not shocking information but when you really kind of zoom in and think about it it's just so heartbreaking her mom for example, said the world focuses on the last month of her life. She had a whole entire life before her demise. Hundreds Mm. of people were affected by her life and were saddened by her death. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, um, you know, you said you had a sad story and I said, oops, me too. Cause you really said, I'll, I see your story and raise you (laughs) by raising. I just like dumped everything on the table and (laughs) tipped the table over and said, I win. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not I feel great. like when it comes to telling a horrible, horribly sad stories or like a board game, it's the exact same strategy with you. It's <laughs> like, oh, dump well, it over. Mm, actually, I'm going to win. So mm, actually, oops, your piece fell on the floor. I win. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is just I think we can probably see where this is going. Um, it's just really, really tragic. Um, well, and you but- mentioned. um in last week's episode too that like i have not forgotten that you were like think about how the last episode how it was handled by people and think of how this is handled it's the essentially the same crime but because someone was in sex work all of a sudden just like care goes out the fucking window it's just like they're less and i mean we're gonna get to this exact phrase but it's like they're less dead or like less human it's like Mm. we just don't there's second class yeah there's just a different approach to this kind of a crime and you know if you think about last week's uh story and how like ryan seacrest was tweeting well also i mean think about last last episode and like it was it kind of goes into the same trope that we see quite a lot where like if it's a white girl getting you know going missing or dying all of a sudden like celebrities are pouring their guts out trying to like put in the effort or it's just put more just in generally it's like in newspapers and it's in news reports more often versus yeah, like just even the verbiage is different you know it's not like oh hooker is found yeah. in burned building you know i mean it's just such a different way of approaching it societally yeah and I, you know, I'm not saying, oh, Lindsay's family, like, Lizzie shouldn't have gotten international no. coverage. I mean, I think but everyone should, should be getting have the national. chance, right? Like, I think everybody, and I, I know it's hard because when people talk about, like, oh, well, you know, this person got this coverage and this person didn't, I think some people, like, the family of, say, uh, a, a white woman who's been all splashed all over the media, you know, they... They take offense sort of in a way of like, well, we want to find my daughter. And I like, so I never want to take away from that. Like, obviously, the more exposure, the better to try and find somebody who's missing. Yeah. It still no doesn't matter. take away though, the like racism and classism. Yeah. Like, they're still rooted. Like, like you're still, you're still dealing with privilege after death. Like, are yeah. you fucking kidding? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Of, of course, that would be how the world works today. It's, it's just, just a wild time. 
it's just uh it's just a really um stark contrast i guess this week mm-hmm. and it just continues because you, it, if you're not ready to feel mad about this then sorry because you were then going i to should be. just sign off got and it see ya um but you got to stay here so remember how bernicia wrote down the license plate mm-hmm. and we were like you were like thank god <laughs> oh was that bad is that not good well, uh, let me tell you, Bernicia gave investigators Khalil's license plate number, um, and they said, okay, thank you. And then nothing happened. Oh, oh my God. Okay, well, that immediately it set gets, me off. It gets so much worse. Okay, so uh, society, as we just, you know, um, waxed poetic, tends to view sex workers as disposable. Um, author Eric Hickey coined the phrase the less dead in 2003 referring to marginalized people who are murdered which is basically the exact best way Mm -hmm. to put it they're just considered less dead society reacts like their death is somehow less sad less shocking less tragic Um, it's almost like oh well they put themselves in that position so they asked for it you know like fuck off with that yeah and so this is the kind of attitude that emboldened Khalil to see the news reports and do it again. Well, yeah, if you're, I mean, imagine you're the killer and realizing that, like, your own victims aren't getting any coverage. And, like, it's just, like, arguably such a convenient crime. I like, mean, it's just like, 100%. well, no, no one's going to notice anyway. And nobody cares. And it's like, I don't care. The police don't care. Society doesn't mm-hmm. care. Great. You know? I'll just keep doing it. It's just heartbreaking. So, of course, he struck again. Uh, on October 22nd, he targeted another sex worker, 33-year-old Joanne Brown. Like Robin, Joanne had struggled with her mental health as well over the years, specifically bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Um, this made her an even more vulnerable person. She'd grown up in Newark, New Jersey, which was about a 10-minute drive from Orange, and she had seven siblings, one sister and six brothers. She was a joyful person who made her friends laugh. She was deeply loved. She worked for a decade as an exotic dancer under the stage name London, and then she got into sex work from that point. Mm -hmm. Joanne's friends were constantly worried about her. Um, She was a kind, witty, compassionate woman, and they wanted to see her thriving and not struggling, Um, but she often struggled. And so, you know, they, they got together. They said, we... We want you to succeed in life. And she agreed. So she moved into nonprofit housing, which provided support for mental health and addiction. And it, along with those support systems, um, the housing also provided a structure. So there were curfews, you know, things that would arguably make adjusting to a more stable life easier. You know, you have mm-hmm. these curfews and things already built in. Mm-hmm. She was still struggling with addiction at this point, and she was occasionally doing sex work. And this makes me sad um, because you can just see how this cycle continues because she told a concerned friend she didn't know if she could stop doing sex work ever because it was the only way she knew how to make money. Mm. And it's like, what are you going to do? I mean, if you're trying to support yourself and you're like, how else? I don't know another way to, to do this. It's just heartbreaking. Especially when you hear, like, she wants to get out of it, but she just Mm -hmm. can't figure out how. So one day while she was hanging out with friends on a sidewalk in her neighborhood, Khalil pulled over in a silver sedan and called her over. 
She got in the car with him around 1.15 p.m., but as they started driving, she realized she didn't have her cell phone. She loaned it to a friend a few minutes earlier who needed to make an urgent phone call, and so now she's in the car without a phone. So she always called her friend when she was working to let them know who she was with, where she was going, and when she'd be back. So she said, Khalil, can I use your phone and call my friend? And he said, sure, sure, here you go. So she calls her friend and she says, I'm with this person. We are going to this intended location, etc. I'm fine. I'm safe. Goodbye. Oh, of God. course, she was not safe. She did not know that, but she wasn't. And Khalil was lying about the intended location. Mm -hmm. Instead, he took Joanne to another abandoned house. This time, uh, he took her to one on Highland Avenue in Orange Township. And by the way, this uh, house, this location was only six blocks from where he lived, where his family's wow. house was. So, so like the confidence of a killer, fucking too. Fucking bold. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, it's just right next door. Not a big deal. Not out of my way. Almost like it's convenient. You know, like I can just go home after this. It's. Yeah. It's and also, I can already tell I'm going to be mad because someone has his contact information. Ding, 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 ding. And the police are going to do nothing about it. I'm ding, sure. ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I'm already so fucking livid about Wee! it. <laughs> now you're getting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's infuriating, really. It is. Um, and Sinisterhood does that fun thing where um, Heather will, like, read the quote. Uh, in It's hard to explain, but it's just so infuriating hearing the direct quotes. Oh, God. Anyway. Like, from police and stuff. Mm -hmm. Ugh. And what, what what was it like? They're like, we had no idea. There was no way of knowing. <laughs> there like, were no signs. Yeah, there were no signs. Well, actually, some of the quotes I will uh, I will relay to you as we go. So um, don't worry. I, I won't okay. do as good of a job as Sinisterhood on probably saying them, but I'll try my best because they got that okay. Texas accent too, so they can do like the the cop voice. Yeah, uh, oh, I'm love not good at it. love a cop voice as <laughs> not I roll my eyes. <laughs> so he takes Joanne to this house, which is. Uh, six blocks from where he lives. Um, again, like you said, very bold. And he wrapped her head in duct tape and he strangled her to death after raping her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. So then, because, uh, you know, he's bold, like you said, he's fucking brazen. He takes out a cell phone and he goes to recent calls and he dials back. The friend that mm -hmm. that had that Joanne had just called, Ooh, and when say? the friend answers and says basically like "Hello, Joanne," he just mm. breathes. <gasps> oh, that's so. Are you fucking kidding me? And just and to be with Joanne was mm -hmm. was the friend's name? Uh, no, Joanne was the victim. She had just called a friend from his phone. Oh, we don't know the friend's name. Uh, no, I think her friend was her. Her name was Amina, I believe. To be Amina. And to know in hindsight that hearing that breathing, like your friend was yes. already dead and like, and you were talking to someone who had just done that to your friend and is now just like, oh, trying to intimidate you. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. And to know that he's clearly getting off on it or getting yeah. something out of it is so twisted. And so, yeah. I guess, I mean, it had to be an intimidate. He probably like kind of freaked out when he lent his phone and then- Joanne said, "Like, oh, this is who I'm with, blah blah blah." So maybe he felt like this is my only way of like getting access to her and intimidating her into keeping her mouth shut. 
I don't it know. It could be. Or he could just be, I think the way they had framed it on Sinister, sinister you know what I'm trying to say, Sinisterhood as well, <laughs> Sorry. is, <laughs> is uh, that maybe he was just getting in, since this was his, as far as we know, second murder, maybe he was trying to get in that like killer headspace of like, ooh, I can now call people and just like feel like, you know, uh, stoke their fear. And like, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like that gross thing you see on a crime show, like going back to the scene of the crime or like just feeding yeah. off other people's fear. Like maybe he was just, I do feel like being on the phone with her was his way of going back to a crime scene. Yeah. Of like, I'm going back to the point where like, like I would again, never committed a, a crime, at least not fucking murder and all this. But like, if I, was about to go do something and someone beat me to the punch and like outed me to somebody, I would consider that like an emotional stake, like like a a high stake part of it. So that to me is a part of the crime scene. For sure. Yeah. I think, I think it definitely, it's like a digital modern day return to the crime scene. You're like, yeah. And especially that feeling too of, Oh, I'm calling. I'm on the phone with her. She has no idea what I just did, and she's calling like Joanne. Are you there? And he's yeah. like, she doesn't even know what I like. The power play, the dynamic there is is You're probably totally right. part of it too. It's the just ego of like I ego. know something you don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. It's- well, also I know something are. you don't know, and when you find out about it, and it's because <gasps> of me, you're gonna be your life's gonna be changed for the worse. Oh, it's such a gross, gross, grotesque Ugh. power trip. Um it just feels it's like so extra and unnecessary and the fact that it was after he killed her is like this fucker he was just sorry having a good time my phone decided to let me know there's a oh good endangered missing advisory shit i hate oh, when that happens no did it do I that hate... scary alarm yeah i hate when <sighs> it happens because then i feel so bad that i'm like not being helpful by in my home (laughs) yeah yeah okay but speaking of um every time there's like an amber alert or like i think it's called a silver alert which is like an endangered uh, endangered elderly person every time if i'm outside i'm like look i'm like where's the blue sedan (laughs) like as if i'm gonna find it on my street you know but maybe (laughs) maybe everyone remember my mom was the one who saw the dc sniper's car so you know okay well, there so you go. You you might be the one. You don't realize, and you might be the one. So, <sighs> see something, say something. Anyway, he calls the friend, breathes into the phone like a giant fucking creep, and then he hangs up and says, "Okay, guess I can go home now." Of course, he hangs up. Joanne's friend, I mean, I believe her name was Amina, tries calling back multiple times. Obviously, he's just like ignores her, blocks her number, whatever. And Joanne's body would not be discovered for a month and a half. Okay. Here's the wild. Yeah. So six weeks later, nobody knew what had happened for those six weeks. And um, here's uh, the wild thing that you've already (laughs) assessed would happen. Joanne's friend uh, not only reported Joanne missing the next day, uh, she gave police Khalil's phone number and said, this is the guy who... She got in his car. This is the guy. And remember, they already have his license plate. And um, they could just follow up with him. And they, they were like, cool, thanks. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's, I just can't believe that you have from one person his driver or his license plate. You have his name. You have his phone number. Mm-hmm. You have where you were going. And even if the location was a lie, at least, you know, 
You knew you knew multiple so much information. And and by the way, this house was six blocks from where he lives. So and you know where he lives because you can just put his license plate in the system. And yeah, right, right, exactly. And what did this like? What would the police do be besides like, oh, thanks for your help, and then just like throw the notes in the garbage? I mean, it's like, almost like they just like said ha 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 as like they lit it on fire, you know? Yeah, like just like sneezed in it or something. Oh and, my God. and I should say they didn't even really say thank you goodbye. They actually said, "quote Well, was she a streetwalker?" <gasps> oh my God! What is yeah. wrong? Oh my God! Oh my God! And okay. they uh, were turned away from the police station so they didn't even say thanks for your help we'll look into it like they didn't even have the decency of lying <laughs> they just said um it sounds like she was into some no good stuff Bye. i mean, i could complain about um the police force for quite a while but i i just it's so frustrating that like your literal fucking job is to look into leads you're i just don't get it to i just don't understand safe yeah to go well, looking I, for people. I what don't. I struggle with, too, is, like, with um, Robin, like, her father was a police officer. And it just makes me wonder that dynamic, too, of, like, was he was he able to say anything or push for anything as a police officer himself? I just wonder how that dynamic works because that must just be horrific to be a police officer and see officers just, like, saying, oh, well, she was just a this, that, the other I wonder what your I mean, own daughter. You know, did you did you say something about this at all? But like, I wonder what her dad must think in hindsight, knowing that his own boys in blue like just didn't fucking take leads on a case that directly involved this kid. Like, yeah, that's what um, I mean. Like, I don't know yeah. if there was any weird dynamic. I don't know if he there, was I able hope to there was do anything or like. I, I have no clue. I have no clue. But it must be. And then if you think about it, like Khalil, his step, I think it was his uncle and stepdad were both police officers. You just think like, you know, it must be horrific to be an officer and have your own child in a position. And then you see the lack of response there. Mm -hmm. And you're like, it must be conflicting or something. I mean, it it sounds terrible. It's almost like, I mean... I don't know. I just, I've, there's no easy good, answer. It's like a web yeah. of just like shit. It's just, but a you disaster. know, that I, I don't think this is like an actual trope or stereotype or anything, but I wonder if some of the best cops out there are the ones who like fucking had a kid who like needed help and just saw well, that's, isn't that, you know? <laughs> this is such a stupid reverence. Not really, but like just kind of not what you're saying, I guess, but like America's most wanted the guy, like his yeah. kid yeah. was killed, right? Mm-hmm. and that's how he started I, that anyway this is just sad okay anyway i'm having so much fun christine i'm, I'm so having... glad that we... it's like the <laughs> job of my dreams so sorry i'm sorry <laughs> it's, okay. Ah! it's okay so now police have his name phone number license plate and they turn them away um of course khalil was not finished because he's just getting the green light from everybody um everybody who could possibly do anything about it is just not so he is now operating as what we call a spree killer which is someone who commits multiple murders in a short period of time and he was very obviously emboldened by his success so far and saw no reason to quit while he was ahead this time he picked out a victim that he knew personally 
So Tiffany Taylor grew up in a Jersey City housing project where she says she was exposed to violence from a very early age. She actually had watched two of her boyfriends shot and killed in front of her. Uh, She had had guns held to her head, sometimes by strangers, different times by police. When she was 17, her manager at work subjected her to relentless sexual harassment. So Mm. she essentially had to grow up early and grow up smart. When she was 18, she moved to Orlando with her mom, where she studied music engineering and psychology. And she had big plans of becoming a performer or an athlete. And she thought about perhaps being an actor, a gymnast, an ice skater. There were a lot of possibilities. But she got pregnant and decided to leave college and move back to her hometown of Jersey City. Mm. Now, of course, life gets even more difficult because she's now a single mom. She has a criminal record, so it's very hard to find work. Um, And so after struggling for several years to find work, she ends up doing sex work to get by. Now, she is somewhat conflicted because she was also raised as a Jehovah's Witness. So she is holding on to some values, but also, you know, having to let some go in order to do sex work. So one of the values that she held on to was that she did not want to sleep with married men and to be honest, at this point, after a certain point, she didn't want to do more sex work at all because she was tired of being treated badly by the men in her life. So mm. one of the quotes uh, we have from her is, I just got tired of men just wanting sex from me all the time, looking at me like I was a sex object. So I just started taking their money. So sometimes she would steal cash from men and then just ditch uh, before they had sex and eventually, her path crossed with Khalil's. So, oh god, here, here's their Great. story. So it sounds like her life was already not hot. And yeah, then- yeah, it was bad enough, right? It was tough enough, and and then this motherfucker had to show up. Hmm. So she met Khalil one night when she was visiting with her best friend, and her best friend was another sex worker that Khalil often met up with. Khalil at this time was twenty. And Tiffany was about 30, so they were about 10 years apart in age. And he seemed normal enough. I mean, I described him up top as being just pretty average, kind, like quiet. Uh, Unthreatening, unassuming. Yes, unassuming, non-threatening. And so they had met up and played video games at his house. And Khalil thought Tiffany was funny, cool, beautiful. And he became somewhat desperate to hook up with her. But she refused because... She told him she wasn't interested. He was too young and he was already involved with her friend whose Mm -hmm. house they were at. And so she's like, sorry, I'm just not interested. But he begged her and he became somewhat obsessed with her. And so after text, after text and call after call, she finally agreed and they met up at his place and Khalil gave Tiffany $200. But she said she left something in the car that she needed So she went back to the car, got in, and drove away with his $200. Now, this was an easy robbery. She literally just took the money and left. uh, And she expected to never hear from Khalil again, even though she did know they had a few mutual uh, contacts. Oh, that's a bold risk. (laughs) Yeah. However, and and, and to like you said though he's unassuming so it's like oh this like 20 year old kid maybe he'll yeah like learn a lesson and not do this again you know like yeah i think if she had known what a threat he really was it probably would have played out differently but yeah that was just a uh, wrong wrong person wrong right? time i guess of like oh i stole from a murderer yeah. yeah who targets 
people just like me yeah couldn't have been a worse person to steal from exactly exactly and so she thought well that was easy and whatever he's out of my life and basically just moved on however months later she starts getting texts and calls from a new number that she didn't recognize and this person is obsessed with her and wants to have sex with her and tells her things like i'm your future oh my god oh my god yeah Um, is there heavy breathing also i know right yeah he's really revealing himself to be a humongous creep so he's saying i'm your future he's obsessed he's begging tiffany for sex for a chance to be with her anything and he must have really worked to make the text sound different than the first round of text because tiffany did not realize it was khalil Mm. she got a new phone and new number and khalil somehow tracked that down and continued to harass her nonstop. So seven months go by, and seven months now go by since her first encounter with Khalil when she had stolen from him. So seven months later, she's now pregnant with her second child. She is unhoused at this point, and her baby's father is in prison. It's like it can't – you think things can't get worse, and here we go. Her mother had also been diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and they Mm. were buried in medical bills – couldn't make rent and were evicted from their apartment. So Jeez. here she is pregnant. Her mother is sick. Uh, she has a small child as well. No housing. It's just a lot horrific. going on. Yeah. A lot. It's just, you can, you see how these things like just snowball, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I, I read an article earlier today um, that said, which was just shocking. Like a majority of Americans are one crisis away from being unhoused. And yeah. it's like a shocking yeah. thing if you think about like, you know, one diagnosis, one big car wreck, one whatever it is, one death, whatever it is, can just send you into complete financial ruin. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's just something to remember when we're talking about marginalized people and like othering yeah. them, you know. Yeah. People are a lot closer to that than they think. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. So at the time, she was living in a car parked by the Ritz Motel in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and a man living in the motel paid Tiffany to locate drugs for him and pick them up in his car. And in return, she lived in his Lincoln sedan with her mother. That was kind of the arrangement they had set up. Okay. But she was desperate for money at this point. So finally, she's getting these harassing texts and phone calls, and she's like, fine, I'll meet up with you. But in the back of her head, she thinks, I'll meet up with this guy, but I'll just rob him Mm -hmm. and leave. Right. What she doesn't know is it's Khalil, and she's already robbed from him, and he knows it. Mm. So November 15th, they meet up at the Ritz Motel at about 8 p.m., and Khalil is in a ski mask, gloves, and sweatshirt. But it's really, really cold out, so she kind of brushes it off and thinks, well, he's probably just cold and, you know— he wants to meet up with a sex worker. Maybe he just doesn't want to be seen. Whatever. So she doesn't think much of it. And they get in her car to go somewhere quiet. And Khalil asks her if she could please pull over so he can pee. She pulls the car over. And he promptly hits her in the back of the head with something and knocks her unconscious. The next thing she knows, Tiffany comes to with her hands cuffed behind her back and duct tape over her mouth. Oh, my God. And Khalil has her in a headlock. (gasps) 
and he is raping her. Oh, my God. So she starts kicking and crying. Obviously, this is just like the world's worst nightmare to wake up to. And in the struggle, she bites her own tongue. Mm. And the tears, saliva, and blood loosen the duct tape to the point that she can speak. Oh, God. And she tells Khalil, I'm pregnant. And he says, I know. (gasps) Oh, my God. At this point, she recognizes him. And she realizes, oh, he's out for revenge and he's going to kill me. So it seemed at this point like he was enacting just revenge for being robbed and abandoned back in April. But Tiffany could not possibly know how sinister this guy actually was and that this was not his first time, you know, trying to kill somebody. And so she thought, you know what, maybe I can work with this. So she tried tried to gain his sympathy. She told him the handcuffs were too tight and they were hurting her. And to her surprise, he loosened them. Oh, okay. So Tiffany's like, that's a good sign. Maybe I can manipulate him further. And she said that moment revealed to her that he was weak. He was young and inexperienced with people. But Tiffany herself was 10 years older than him. She was smart. She was experienced. She was tough. And so she was like, I think I can maneuver my way out of this. So she tells him, hey, you can't kill me here because I left my phone back at the motel. All of our conversations are on it and it'll lead police right to you. Hmm. So Khalil like the gears start turning and he panics and he says, okay, okay, fine. Let's go back to the motel. You go grab your phone and then we'll go back okay, to, to the woods and oh. I'll kill you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Un- he understood the priority of a phone. Okay. Right. Right. So they go back to the motel and uh, meanwhile, Tiffany, who happens to be double jointed, was able to get one thumb to fold one thumb onto her palm and slip one of her hands out of the handcuffs. Oh, my God. In secret. Thank God. Thank God. And I did. I Googled this. I wasn't sure. But uh, do you know the percentage of people who are double jointed? Are you? No, I don't even know what that really means. Totally. No. Um, it's know. basically just like hyperextension. Uh, you like you can like hyperextend your say like your thumb all the way back here. Oh no, that's the farthest I go. Yeah, apparently twenty percent of the population. Fun fact. So oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Fun fact. So she's able to slip her hand out of the cuff uh, and did not tell him obviously. So they get to the motel and she tells Khalil, "Okay, yes." will go to my room to retrieve the phone. So he's following behind her at a slight distance. And instead of going to her room, she goes to that guy's room. Because mm. remember, she doesn't have a room there. She's sleeping in the car. Yeah. So she, the guy who, like, quote, unquote, hires, hired her to look for drugs, she goes to his room. And so they show up at the room. She's like, okay, this is my room. And to kind of keep the ruse going that she is still handcuffed, she kicks the door, like, to try and open it. And Khalil helps open the door. So he opens the door for her. She leaps inside and slams it shut in (gasps) his face and bolts it. Nice. 
Good for this her. This is where I tell you we can all breathe a sigh of relief because she survives. Okay. <sighs> oh my gosh. Okay. Thank God. Wow. So, the, like, the anger and the frustration doesn't end, but at least Tiffany survives. And I, I totally assume at the end of this, you're going to tell me that she drags him in by his <laughs> ear to the police station and cops go, you can leave now. So <laughs> Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This means nothing to us, so time to leave. You're basically right on track. Oh, God. So the deadbolt engages automatically. Khalil is stuck outside yelling and banging on the door. And Tiffany sticks her arm in front of the curtain in the window to show him she got her hand off the handcuffs. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And at this point, he just fucking runs for it. Because now, I mean, also with her being free from the handcuffs, she can take the phone and dial 911. So he just is fucking out of there. He runs downstairs and steals the car, the Lincoln sedan. Oh, God. But like we said, it wasn't her car. It was this guy's car that she's borrowing or sleeping in. Mm-hmm. So she texted I, him. Uh-huh. And she says, I promise not to call the police if you bring the car back. Wow. And did he? He brings the car back. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> please tell me she still called the police. She had already called the police. Good girl. Oh, my gosh. I'm so impressed with her. Okay. She's literally, like, setting a trap is what she was trying to do. So she calls the police. She's like, I'm telling him to come back with the stolen car. So he drops the car off, leaves the key outside. She's shocked that he even, like, f- fucking fell for that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. She, she like, described it in an interview with Nor- NorthJersey.com. He came back. He knew I'm a sneaky bastard. I already lied to him like three times. How stupid can he be? Right. Truly. <laughs> truly. Yeah. But Khalil avoided the police. He came and left so quickly that he evaded them. Um, of oh course, my God. what good would it have done anyway? I don't know. Because when they did arrive, they were utterly useless. Um, mm-hmm. Tiffany well. gave them his full Khalil's full name, his home address, his Facebook account, and his phone number. She described the whole ordeal, her harrowing escape, the rape, and the, they, the fact that he's in a Lincoln sedan yeah, right now. Yeah, and they just didn't fucking believe her. There what do you is, mean? Like they just went, okay, well, thanks, and then just like, I'll tell you, they uh, there's body cam footage, and you hear an officer say, "So you let him duct tape you?" <gasps> Shut the fuck up! Oh my god, I'm. Christine. So you Christine. let them duct tape you. Christine. Christine. What? Christine. Fuck? There's literally this pregnant woman who was almost strangled to death and has just been raped. And you say, oh, will oh you let my him God. duct tape you? Oh, my God. He beat her in the back of the head. Like, I don't even. How do you even fucking jump to you let him? What are you it's, talking it's about? It's literally just they know. They look at her. They see where she's living or that she's living in a car, that she's a sex worker. Her race, probably. And then they're like, well. I've never ran into somebody who didn't have a house to live in or who was a sex worker and thought they would let someone duct tape them and rape them. I've, ne- I've never thought that. So, like, why on earth is that your go-to thought of, like, well, you obviously let this happen? Not like... You could have been unconscious or held at gunpoint or anything else all of your other victims have ever experienced. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Tiffany repeatedly asked them to undo the handcuff on her other hand, and they refused for a whole hour. Then they threatened to arrest her for sex working. So they said to her, you know, we could arrest you for <gasps> prostitution. Oh, my God. Please, please, Christine, don't you tell me that that's what they do. Please don't they tell me don't. that's what they, they do. They were just, like, saying it to be fucking assholes. I just, like, and, oh, my God. Okay. What's next? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> laughing at the story. I'm just laughing at her, oh, her reaction. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just all of it. I'm just so, so upset. I'm so mad. I'm so <laughs> mad. I just, oh my God. Okay. Well, please tell me it ends all right. Does well, it end all right? Here we go. So, uh, here the police were with information leading directly to an now active serial killer and spree killer. And they just don't know anything about him. And they did nothing because, like Khalil himself, they saw people like Tiffany as just disposable as less than people so they left uh having done nothing to help her or protect her and khalil was still at large now i'll leave you on this khalil was about to take his final victim which would ultimately be his undoing and we will get to that in part two shut the fuck up christine no you can't do that to me i would like a whole extra hour please because that was bullshit that was Christine, that was uh, cruel. God damn it. I'm so upset about this episode. I'm so sorry. I think I already started in a worse mood than usual because I already knew my episode was going to be such I'm a bummer. I'm so sorry. I'm I just sorry. can't, I just can't, I can't believe someone would look a woman in the eye and be like, you let him duct tape you. I, I just can't. That one really, that was the, the real ignition here. But like, I was, because I was it's mad. almost like now they're talking to a survivor. Like the other ones are so horrific because their families and and them after after death are being treated so horribly. But now they're looking in the eyes of someone who has just gone through like the worst imaginable situation and saying like we still don't care. You know? I'm just so grossed out that you could. I mean, you work in the fucking police force. Half your job is dealing with rape victims, and you. Like, f obviously, not a lick of sensitivity training has ever been blown through your brain. Mm -mm. But, like, like, how do you say that to somebody? Like, that's not your first rodeo with someone who's dealt with a criminal. Like, I'm just, I'm so fucking angry. I'm, Christine. I, <laughs> and I don't have anyone to direct the anger towards except you, so I'm really fucking mad at you that I I'll have take to wait it. a week. I'll take it. It's fine. You can do we actually do? I have to wait a week or longer because of our recording. Are we oh. recording soon? Are we, this is so fucking mean if we're not recording for like a month? Um. Oh, we're recording Monday, so you have the weekend off. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna text you Monday and be like, "Never mind, I'm busy." You're gonna you're gonna text me and be like, "I hope you're uh, in a really angry, fiery <laughs> yeah. mood." I, I honestly, by that point, you'll probably have forgotten about it, and then. I'll be like, hey, remember what we're going to talk about today? Just, oh my God. Yeah. Surprise. I can't wait. Wow, Christine. Well, thanks for riling me up. And I'm now sorry. I've got, I'm, oh, man. <laughs> man, I just don't know what to do with myself. Well, well, we have an after chat where we can just bitch, you know, 
I guess so. All right. Well, I'll see you over there, I guess. If you follow Patreon, you should come listen to our after chat where I'm just going to keep screaming about this. <laughs> I'm sure everyone um, wants that. And uh, other than that, what else is going on, Christine? I'm so blinded with rage. You have to close us out. because Okay. I, I... Uh, no problem. Apparently, International Day to End Violence Against Sex Workers is December 17th. So it's still a ways away. I just looked it up because I was looking up some fact sheets. Um so we're going to have to, even though it's one day a year, let's all just commit to, you know, working on that starting now. And uh, I'm just so sorry. And if this is something you've experienced, you know, um, I wouldn't let this stop you from seeking help because despite the glaring um, inadequacies and outright um, just unethical uh, immoral ways that sometimes the system treats people. Uh, there are people who do care and there are people who can help. Um, it might just be hard to find sometimes. So don't let it lose all hope, you know, mm-hmm. if you can, yeah. if you can, <laughs> if I, I can't even see right now, but yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. well, anyway, come to our tour, read our book and watch our after chat, I suppose. And I don't know. Go scream into a pillow with me, if you will. Go have a nice cup of will. hot tea and just do some yeah. cross stitch. Take you know? a Xanax if you've got one. I, <laughs> I'm about to. So, um... <laughs> ah! All right. Well, and that's why we drink. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.